Damian Williams opts out of the 2020 season. We reconsider Clyde Edwards Hilaire's value on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 here on The Athletic. It is Thursday, July 30th. Two more days left in the month of July before we turn the calendar over to August. I am Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, the news now coming very fast. Feels like the NFL season is just about here. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm glad we have a lot to talk about. I'm a little sad at some of the updates that we're going to be passing along, but hopefully it's early enough where some of the players who are impacted by COVID-19 will have time to get healthy and report to training camp a little bit later on and, and still be good to go for the start of the season. So I'm um, still more optimistic than pessimistic, at least at this point. Yeah, I am right with you there. Uh, referencing that COVID news, 19 players were put on the reserve list on Wednesday. Among them, Kenny Galladay and TJ Hawkinson from the Lions. If all goes well for these players, they should be able to return to their team somewhere in the 10-day to 14-day window. So we'll keep you updated on that. But seems like those guys are in the protocol nice and early. So hopefully things will be okay, not only with Galladay and Hawkinson, but everyone who entered it along with them and everyone who unfortunately will be entering it in the weeks to come. Uh, biggest news that we received on Wednesday from a fantasy perspective, of course, was the opt-out from Damian Williams. He will not play in the 2020 season. I feel like it was just 48 hours ago, Derek, that you and I were dogging Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and people who could possibly be drafting him late in the second round. You and I were both Damian Williams supporters, feeling like he was going to be one of the big bargains of the 2020 season. We'll never be proved right or wrong now that Williams is not playing this year, but what we do know is that this has a significant impact on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So let's start with that. Where are you ranking him now? Where are you looking at drafting him now that Damian Williams is out of the picture and Edward Solaire looks like he's going to be thrown in as the surefire starter right away for this Chiefs offense? You know, I had the 12th and 13th overall pick on the end for my Rasbol draft when that got started on Wednesday. And that combination of picks happened before we knew Damian Williams was going to opt out. But even if I had known that Williams was opting out, I still wouldn't have pushed up Edwards Hilaire quite that far. Wow. I, I think he's I think he's up a few picks from where he was before. I mean, I didn't really love him as a mid to late second rounder. I think now I could justify him as a mid second rounder a little easier. I still think we have to consider that the Chiefs have some veteran backs, one in particular who we really didn't talk about when they acquired him, DeAndre Washington. This is a guy that Andy Reid and this Chiefs coaching staff got to see twice a year for the last four years, playing against him as a member of the Raiders. And he's never really had prolonged success as an NFL back. His rookie season, from an efficiency standpoint, was the best per carry number we've seen from him yet, 5.4 yards per carry. Everything since then, under four yards per carry, so not much to get excited about. A viable pass catcher. But if you look at that resume and you go back and look at the resume of Damian Williams before he became a member of the Chiefs, he spent four years in Miami. He had four years under four yards per carry. He was mostly a pass catcher. I wonder if they see some similarities in those two players. If they see a guy in DeAndre Washington who can 
not only catch passes, but also maybe has a little more to offer than what he's shown us so far in the running game. Um, you know, Darwin Thompson's a guy that people were a little bit excited about last year, a sixth-round pick uh, a season ago. I don't know if there's much there to get excited about, but Edwards Hilaire gets an upgrade. There's still the same concerns we mentioned just a couple days ago. You know, without time to ramp up, is he going to be behind when the season starts? Now, he might be getting more reps with the first-team offense. I think mm-hmm. that's almost certain at this point. So maybe he gets up to speed faster. Maybe that's a big part of, of how he gets there now. But I'm moving him up about a half a round. Uh, I, I think if you get him at like pick 15, that's reasonable. It's not way off where I was at 12 and 13 today, but 99 times out of 100, there are going to be two players I like better in that spot than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, at least based on what we know right now. Well, I guess then the good news for you, DVR, is that you're probably not going to have to justify taking him in the middle of the second round because if the reaction on Twitter from our brethren in the industry is any indication, he's going to be gone long before then in pretty much every single draft. I actually talked to our pal Jake Seeley, who was already very high on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, after the, uh, the the Damian Williams news came along, and I was actually surprised that he said he's only moving him up to RB7. Jake seems to be one of the lower people on him. Jake was conversely higher on Edwards-Hilaire before the Williams news, said he still can't take him ahead of McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and Derrick Henry. And I think I'm in the same spot. I think I take all those backs ahead of him. I consider Edwards-Hilaire versus Henry. I'm definitely taking Edwards-Hilaire over Mixon, over Miles Sanders, over Kenyon Drake, who I love. I think he's in that same mix with with Henry and with Michael Thomas for me. I can't put him in that Cook or Kamara group. I still think that those guys are far safer plays and just far higher floors than Edwards-Hilaire. But, man, I mean, it's hard to look at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire now, DVR, and not see a guy who's going to secure 75% of the touches in what might be the best offense in football and what I think is certainly uh, the offense that has the best quarterback in football. So I think I'm going to be a little bit higher. We were in lockstep on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just 24 hours ago, but at this point I think I would probably take him – Eighth overall, I think I take those backs ahead of him, plus Michael Thomas. That's where I end up taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'm surprised to hear that you're still so stubbornly low on him at this point. Is it the last part that you mentioned? Is it the the fact that just not as many padded practices that we're used to seeing in a training camp and concern that he's not going to be able to be fully up to speed when week one rolls around? I mean, it's a little bit of all those things. I think we could be underselling any one of the other backs in the depth chart being capable of handling the role we thought Damian Williams was going to have. So that's the biggest thing for me. I mean, I'm looking at the NFFC ADP for July. Edwards Hilaire was 23rd overall prior to today, or at least drafts completed today. I would move him ahead of Travis Kelsey. I would move him ahead of Chris Godwin. I would move him ahead of Lamar Jackson. I'd move him ahead of Julio Jones. In a one-quarterback league, of course, I'd move him ahead of Patrick Mahomes. And I think I would move Austin. I mean, I don't like Austin Eckler as much as the market does. So Eckler would go after him. And Kenyon Drake's the first round guy that I'm just not fully buying into either. So those guys would fall under Clyde Edwards Hilaire for me. Uh, I do think the Mixon workload is safer. The offense is on the rise. So I would still still take Mixon over him. And I think Miles Sanders versus Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a really interesting toss up mm-hmm. like that that could be a really fun debate and I think it sounds like most people are on the Edwards Hilaire side and I'm the dummy on the Miles Sanders side <laughs> you're not a dummy yet Derek 
you might be a dummy in a couple of months, but you're not a dummy yet. Well, Unless I'm, you're talking I'm, about something else. Well, I'm I'm dumb. <laughs> uh, well, but let's talk about the, the other guys in the backfield really quick before we move on to our next topic. DeAndre Washington, Darwin Thompson, Elijah McGuire from the Jets. He's there now also. I feel like, I mean, you made all the points about DeAndre Washington already. I think he is someone who now should be pretty roundly drafted. It's still a late pick. It's still a pick where you're maybe not going to get anything useful out of him all season, but I think he should be on everyone's radar as an end game play. And you already said your piece on him. So I think that, uh, that you feel the same way as well. So that's the big news of the day. Damian Williams opting out Clyde Edwards Hilaire now likely going to have a first round ADP for the 2020 season. We had one more opt out. This one actually came on Tuesday, but after our, uh, after we recorded, so we weren't able to get it into the Wednesday show. Devin Funches opting out for the Packers. He will not be playing in what was supposed to be his uh, first season with the Packers. Does that change the equation at all for you when it comes to Alan Lazard or Marquez Valdez, Gantling, Equinemius St. Brown? Do any of them become more interesting with Funches off the table? You know, I think Lazard's a little more stable because Funches, I think, was going to take some targets away from him. And it seemed like Lazard really was developing that rapport with Aaron Rodgers down the stretch last season. So I think this is good news for Alan Lazard. I think it also, it could just change the way the Packers use their personnel. I mean, Valdez Scantling is interesting because he's pretty big and he's fast. And if it all clicks, there's a ton of talent there. But I think it's more likely that we see something, you know, with maybe more personnel with the tight ends. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you look at this team and I, I think they're trying to copy what San Francisco did because the Niners just destroyed them <laughs> twice last season. I mean, it was it was hard to watch to be kind of kind of frank about it. <laughs> so I don't know. Like I, I think maybe this bumps up the target floor of Devontae Adams even further, even though it's already ridiculously high. Um, I, I guess I, I look to last year as kind of the script though, because you just don't really you don't really see anybody else getting brought into the equation late you know I don't think they're going to go out and trade for AJ Green or do something like that at this right. point so I think it's kind of what you see is what you get in this group of receivers yeah, Alan Lazard was the wide receiver 66 uh, when we woke up on Wednesday in NFFC draft since the calendar turned to July 179.48 overall was his ADP wide receivers immediately in front of him Antonio Gibson Curtis Samuel who I do like quite a bit Nikhil Harry Hunter Renfro Brandon Ayuk Robbie Anderson, Michael Pittman, a few more guys uh, uh, among that group, guys who I'm taking him ahead of, who I wasn't taking him ahead of necessarily before this. I'm taking him ahead of Hunter Renfro, taking him ahead of Nikhil Harry. I'm taking him ahead of Brandon Ayuk. It's hard to say both those Panthers, Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson, are ahead of him. I would tend to think that the Green Bay wide receiver two is going to outperform the Carolina wide receiver three. So I do think you have to consider uh, Lazard over whichever Panther you like less between uh, Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel. I think he ends up more in that you know wide receiver 50, like low 50s, where we're seeing guys like Anthony Miller, Brashad Perriman, Preston Williams. To me, that's where he belongs now because the targets are just going to be a lot safer, I think, for Alan Lazard. And I think that that's a, a spot where there's plenty of room for growth. You said maybe the target floor is even higher 
for Devontae Adams, but how much higher could it get, right? I mean, it was already incredibly high, and we knew it was going to be coming into this season. So I think that Alan Lazard is maybe the guy who is most deserving of a bump for the Packers and a meaningful bump. I mean, we're talking about, you know, from wide receiver 65 to wide receiver 55, that is a much different draft day neighborhood. I mean, you think about the names I rattled off again, Anthony Miller, Brashad Perriman, Preston Williams, Golden Tate. Those are guys who you are not sad to start more often than not. And I think that Alan Lazard could play his way into that group of guys for the 2020 season with Devin Funches now off the, the radar. Uh, one more thing to talk about before we wrap things up here. It's in the NFC North. We're going to stick in that same division as the Packers are going to go over to their hated rival, the Chicago Bears. Matt Nagy had a uh, call, a Zoom call, a press conference with Assembled Chicago Media on Wednesday, and he said that Nick Foles is at a, quote, disadvantage in the QB battle with Mitch Trubisky said that the two quarterbacks will still enter training camp on equal footing, but the fact that there's been no minicamp, no OTAs, all those things uh, not able to happen for any team in the NFL this season means that Foles likely is at a disadvantage uh, in this 50-50 quarterback battle uh, for the Chicago Bears. Does that change the way you look at any of these guys? I mean, I personally felt as though Mitch Trubisky was more likely to be the week one starter anyway. And I'm not sure that Foles Trubisky really moves the needle at all, no matter who it is. So I am not changing the way I think about Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen. For me, it's just not enough of a difference, no matter who the quarterback is, to really reconsider where I had them before this. Are you on the same page? Yeah, I think it's because I just don't see a ton of ceiling there with either one of Foles or Trubisky. I think it's just about making fewer mistakes, and whoever's making fewer mistakes is going to play. And we've seen Allen Robinson produce with terrible quarterback play uh, in the recent past and in the more distant past with Blake Bortles. So I think he's almost quarterback-proof at this point. I mean, both Foles and Trubisky are good enough to keep Allen Robinson's mm-hmm. value where we as fantasy players would like it to be. Uh, this The tree is so skinny for touches and targets in this offense, I think that's what makes it pretty clear-cut to me. So yeah, I'm not really changing expectations for Anthony Miller if it ends up being Trubisky instead of Foles or if Foles ends up miraculously taking the job and running with it. You know, Miraculously? Are you saying that uh, that Mitch Trubisky's uh, set for a breakout 2020 season? Is that what I'm hearing? Nah, I mean, they're just... <laughs> I just don't see that much of a difference between them in terms of efficiency. Like they maybe get there yeah. slightly different ways. And, you know, Foles has had some major heroics in the playoffs and obviously winning a Super Bowl. But I just don't see him as a guy that week to week in the regular season is going to elevate an offense. And that's all going to come down to Nagy and, and how well the scheme works. And again, just minimizing mistakes. Like that's going to be the key to this offense. I think you're absolutely right, and I think you're right to say that the guy who's going to minimize mistakes is most likely going to win the job. We're talking about a team that went 12-4 and two years ago and won this division 8-8 eight and eight with a whole lot of stuff going wrong on the offensive side of the ball. Last year, they were just a win away from making the playoffs, so they have to feel like improved quarterback play and better protection of the football is going to have them in better position uh, to make the playoffs this season. So I agree with you. It's going to be the guy who minimizes mistakes, and the skinny tree is is really the important point here. I think that's what you got to think about with this Bears team. Allen Robinson's going to get his. Anthony Miller is going to have every opportunity to prove himself a wide receiver too. I don't think there's going to be much competition from the tight ends, Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. I think uh, David Montgomery is going to get a whole lot of touches in the backfield, but he already got those last year, and it's hard to see Tariq Cohen's role uh, 
uh, gaining any sort of ground at all this season. So Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, I don't think it makes a whole lot of difference for these Bears skill players. Whatever you thought about them on Tuesday, you should still feel that way on Wednesday. And I think no matter who wins this job a month from now, you should still feel that way about them then. Uh, It's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are out there on iTunes, Spotify, wherever, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Again, it's coming to you every single Monday through Friday, all the way through the end of the NFL season. If you are not an athletic subscriber, you can get 40% off a subscription for your first year if you go to theathletic.com slash football in 15. For DVR, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.